One of our favorite things to do here at Beyond Healing Center is therapeutic retreats. Our retreats are three to five days with holistic wraparound services, all designed to meet your personal needs and goals. You can choose from a menu of services, including EMDR, trauma-informed massage, nervous system-informed yoga and movement, and even equine therapy. From the moment you arrive to the moment you leave, we've crafted this experience to be one of safety and healing. Whether you're interested in a retreat for yourself, or if you're a therapist interested for a client, we would love to talk to you about how our retreats can be a part of a healing journey. Contact our retreat coordinator at therapy at beyondhealingcenter.com or visit our website at beyondhealingcenter.com for more information. Welcome to Beyond Trauma, a podcast from therapists for clients about the healing journey. We hope this will be a resource of encouragement, comfort, insight, and understanding for you along this courageous process. Welcome back to Beyond Trauma, a guide for your healing journey. We are here in the studio today, Jen, Melissa, and myself, and we are going to be talking about the three C's of co-regulation that lead to ventral uh, kind of activation, which is good, Mm -hmm. Uh, playful, also socially connected place. And these three components are something that um, Dr. Stephen Porges and Deb Dana, uh, the originators of polyvagal theory and polyvagal theory for therapy, um, talk about as kind of just essential ingredients to social connectedness. So before we do that, though, I think we're going to talk about... We are. We're going to talk about retreats a little bit. So I have been thinking a lot about the beginning of next year. I don't know if anybody Mm. else has been in the space of like, oh my God, here comes the holidays. I am, (laughs) it's, you know, now that I'm saying this, I'm realizing it is likely because the last six months have been insane for us. Yeah. But I was talking to somebody about the retreats the other day and I just had this like deep bodily sensation of, I want to do one of these so bad, please. (laughs) Like the idea so much so that I'm like researching other places that might do it because I can't actually ask my, you know, the people that work with us to do it for me. Yeah. (laughs) Although maybe I should think about that anyway. So retreats are an incredible, uh, I don't know, just a profound way to start a new year, um, to kind of really take some time to reflect, to potentially recover. I think that we're sort of just at the beginnings of really understanding how impactful the last two years have been for all of us. Yeah. And a retreat is kind of an ideal place to kind of just take stock of how are you doing really with the assistance and the support of a team of people that are specifically focused on you and on every possible need that you could have from food to where you're staying. Um, It's just this wonderful kind of wraparound hug of humans that just wants to take care of you for a few days. Um, So if you want more information about our healing retreats and the way that we do that, you can go to our website at beyondhealingcenter.com and look at the retreats page. You can also reach out to Brooklyn, who is our retreat coordinator. And, you know, part of her job is to get on the phone with you guys or do it via email to just answer all the questions that you have about what that experience is like and how to really tailor it to exactly what you're looking for. Um, So you can email us, you can uh, look on our website, and we can get on the phone, whatever feels supportive to you, and making that choice for yourself. But we would love to host you for a New Year's New You retreat. Mm. Yeah. 
New Year's, new you. I mean, why not? That's amazing. <laughs> Tis the season. Tis the season. Right? Uh-huh. That's amazing. So during those retreats, yeah. uh, you can experience an immense amount of uh, social connectedness. And I think that's a <laughs> great bridge right, right in. into the episode. So. <laughs> Done, Richard. Thank you. I can find a way into just about well, any conversation. I was going to say, so it is pretty common that when we like sit and have those conversations with people about like, out of all of the things that you could focus on, what do you need more of in your life? And at least right now one of the usual places that people end up kind of landing is I need to feel safe somewhere, please. (laughs) Like I need some spot, some experience where my system can actually feel what it feels like to be really safe. And that feels exactly like what we're about to talk about. Yeah, Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. So context, choice, and connection are the three words that we're going to kind of unpack Um, And again, the reason we're choosing those three words is that these three words um, have been shown to uh, kind of really be so vital for the human organism in its search for safety and connection. Mm -hmm. Um, If we can have context, the what's going on, what pieces are, are important in the environment, then we can have choice in that space of what to do, uh, rather than having choice taken away from us. And then actually have connection with other humans Mm -hmm. in that uh, kind of recipe of those three components, uh, we have the greatest opportunity to find safety and connection. Mm -hmm. And so today we're going to just spend a little bit of time on each and some of the importance of that and then look at maybe some of the struggles that we have uh, in in, uh, experiencing safety and connection, why that might be. Uh, Hint, hint, trauma is something that kind of gets in the way of experiencing safety and connection because it is so um, kind of dismantling of our ability to kind of even understand context, choice, or connection. Uh, And then uh, also we'll kind of be talking a little bit about some specific examples to really kind of ground our, our discussion of these things. So context And as with everything that we've talked about in this podcast so far, we're talking about a whole brain here and a whole body. So not just one area of the brain that's associated with context, one that's associated with choice. We're talking about something that comes from uh, the human being as an embodied brain, an embodied mind. So context um, is a a space where we um, are processing through every kind of uh, stimuli in our environment and can actually start to make sense of what it is, what effect it has for us or what implications it has on us and our ability to, um, you know, avoid threat and seek safety. Mm -hmm. So context, if it's about more um, other humans in the room, it's about what are their intentions? What are their motives? Are they safe? Have I seen them before? Do I know what they want? Um, Am I able to actually show up with them and be safe? Um, if it's, uh, you know, inanimate objects or other things like that, like context is so much about how do you understand kind of every piece of your environment. So much of that goes on below the surface. We really uh, start to, you know, ask a lot of questions about context when we're either have some worry or we um, find ourselves needing to know a little bit more about what's about to happen. Mm-hmm. I think about anxiety when mm-hmm. I think about context is like, I need to know yeah. what's going on. Like what, what is actually happening right now? What's the plan? Mm-hmm. What's the, what's the actual goal here? Um, and so for a lot of people that struggle with having, um, little context, there's this sense of, um, uh, either panic or even maybe they respond to it with a, 
aloofness mm. like oh i just don't need to know anything i'm kind of just drifting but context is is necessary for our ability to feel safe in connection because it helps us feel like we can uh be more confident that the unfolding of the present moment is going to ensure that we're safe that others are safe and that we stay connected or stay uh, in that safety, even if we're together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you guys think about context? You know, as I'm just thinking about, Bridger, you're known for all of your prefaces, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, what about it? <laughs> Where's this going? <laughs> but I, as you were saying that, I was just like, I think that's this like way of offering everyone around you context for whatever it is you're about to say because every statement has a preface (laughs) um and so just that natural way of easing people into you like i want you to have the full context yeah before i ask you whatever question or share whatever statement or story yeah and that leads to kind of is it annoying to you that i do that i love it (laughs) and actually i think the more that we've all worked together the more i notice myself do it Mm. um maybe not quite as often as what you do but just giving i I think i see it a lot in client with clients in sessions yeah of just giving a lot of like a preface and context leading up to you know anything I might ask them or anything we might share and experience Mm -hmm. together Mm -hmm. to me and this is just my own kind of explanation of why I do that part of it uh, I think it serves like two functions for me part of it is self-organizing like it helps me understand um, where I'm going while also communicating my understanding to the person I'm interacting Mm -hmm. with but then also it helps me it, it helps me gather more data before I actually say what I'm gonna say. Mm-hmm. So you're able to get more context. Yeah, for how the room or the right. people I'm interacting right. with to like, prepare. Yeah, do I need to mm-hmm. shift a little bit more? Do I need to maybe say a little bit mm-hmm. of something else? The preface to me um, really sets up an opportunity for us to even decide <laughs> if we want to be in this conversation right. Right. or if we need to spend more energy in a different way. Yeah. So there is so much connected to this concept of context for me. And so I'm going to say this and this may sort of take us in a direction that we don't have all of the time to unpack, but it feels really important to say, which is this. There was my preface. How was yes. that? I loved it. We, we all do a lot <laughs> of these. Yeah, it's amazing. No. Now I'm going to catch it all the time. Dang that it. was great context. Yeah, thank, thank you for yeah, that. Yeah, I actually really me. needed it. Yeah, I don't want us to change now? it. You feel ready? No. Um, so, all of that aside, <laughs> I got to remember what I was going to say. Just kidding. So, the reason why context is one of the first things on the list of how do we help somebody feel safe is because in abusive and dangerous situations, it's one of the first thing that leaves. Yeah. So here's an easy example of this. One of the ways that people that are being intentionally abusive, meaning they are deciding that they want to exert control over other people in a way that is dominating, abusive, etc. One of the first things they do is remove context from the situation because when we don't have context, we have a felt sense of having much less power in the situation. So if somebody is seeking to disempower us, they will take away the context of our situation so that we don't know how to show up and protect ourselves, right? So like I said, that could take us in a pretty intense direction. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Nazi Germany came to my mind, so. Yeah, no, yeah. yeah that That's where we're not going to go. Okay. So we're going to keep it at the level of um, part of the reason why context is so important is because the opposite is also true. Hmm. When we have context, then we can have choice. 
without context, it is actually impossible to have a fully consensual choice yeah. given. Yeah. So one of the places that's a little less loaded that gets pretty obvious is with little kids, right? Mm. So for instance, if I am going to try to increase my child's autonomy around getting dressed in the morning and I want to give them choice, in order for them to do that in a supported way, I have to give them context for their day. Yes. I have to tell them like, honey, this is what you're doing today, right? We're going to play outside for a few hours and then we're going to grandma's and then we're doing this and we're doing that. Now that you know what's happening in your day, what do you want to wear? Right. Well, that's a much better way of supporting them in learning how to make uh, healthy and good choices for themselves than just kind of throwing them into their closet and saying, pick whatever you want to pick. <laughs> yeah. Right? Good luck. Yeah. And uh, uh, so that is a, I think, less emotionally loaded way of exploring those yeah. power dynamics. Um, but that is part of why context is where we start. In order to be able to have good choice, we have to first have really good context. Yeah. Your version of prefacing everything is a way of giving the other person choice of how do they want to engage in this conversation with you. Yeah. Are they emotionally ready for mm-hmm. it? Is now the right time? Um, and so you prepare them as best as you know how to receive what you're about to say and be able to tell you where, at what level they're willing and able to engage. Currently. Yeah. And I use it all the time as an invitation in therapy. Um, just this morning I had a session where I said something that I say quite often, which is, um, and I don't do this in my personal relationships cause it feels sometimes like it carries a certain effect. I'm doing a preface right now. Oh, okay. uh, it, uh, it carries a certain effect <laughs> that um, I don't really intend to be um, like for it, for it to happen in my personal relationships, but I use it very intentionally in therapy, which is like, I'm about to ask a question and I imagine that there's going to be a couple different responses. And the one that I want us to be aware of is the one that you use your strategies in. I can see why you don't do that in your personal relationships because immediately the reaction would be, oh my God, you're about to give me terrible information. (laughs) Right. Or like you're about to like challenge me or you're about to, you know, do something. But, you know, it, it, to me, it sets up this invitation where we can use a lot of the skills that we're working on in therapy to even pay attention to the way our thoughts form before we say or do anything. Mm -hmm. So I'll just kind of put it out there. And the person that I was with this morning was just like, Sometimes I freaking hate how you do that (laughs) because it's exactly what I'm going to do. But I also find it helpful because it is something that I can then notice my natural kind of Mm -hmm. tendency to do and that I actually don't want to do that. I want to be mindful of what other answers or uh, ways of talking might be coming up. This connects to something else that uh, you, we say a lot, which is with awareness comes choice. Yeah. And context is one of the ways that we can immediately offer an invitation into a lot more awareness of what is really going on in whatever situation yeah. we're in. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's just such a natural human desire to have context of when anybody comes with sharing something intense, what's one of the first questions? What happened? Mm-hmm. Like we just mm-hmm. start gathering contextual yes. information. Yeah. yeah. Tell me what happened. Right. Yeah, our little kid comes running out to, what happened, what happened? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. tell me what happened, yeah. Well, I think, Bridger, you sharing that the prefaces are also, like they serve two purposes, but one of those is for you to be able to gather your own context for how are they going to respond, how is this, how am I meeting this individual? Yeah. And 
that just goes to show like we are context seeking beings. Yes. So even without intentionally thinking about it or very purposeful questions like what happened, what's going on, our systems are looking for context. It may be through questioning, it may be through scanning the room visually, it may be through tuning in, you know, uh, and listening for pieces or feeling different things. Like we're looking for context at all times yeah. to help bring some type of understanding to the situation so that when we have more information to be able to know how to respond. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Melissa, I think you linked it so naturally and organically to our ability to feel like we have choice in the room mm -hmm. or in the environment or in the interaction, et cetera. Because if we don't have context, if, if we don't know what's going on, we're just going to react, That's right. which always feels, you know, or, or I would imagine always feels more of a, a threatened position to be. I would rather be proactive mm -hmm. than reactive to things mm -hmm. because from a proactive place, I'm actually having intention with my actions. I'm potentially, you know, putting together a sequence of strategies that could get me to a better place if it all goes the way that I am thinking it'll go. Well, and, and I think like it does, it does really assist in the cognitive process of sorting through bits of information to come to a logical choice like that. That is true. And also context helps our body feel safe yeah. and lowers our natural threat response, which means from that place, we can make a choice that is not anxiety driven or yes. loaded. Yes. And so it is both. It helps us make, you know, quote unquote, more logical decisions. But for me, even more importantly, it's learning to make decisions from a calm and safety oriented place. And kind of that example of a little kid trying to pick out what they're going to wear. If their parent is like looking at them going, okay, you wanted to pick what to wear, hurry up and pick. Oh my God, that's like really anxiety producing. And so yeah. suddenly we're instilling into this little tiny person that decision-making is stressful and hard and maybe you just shouldn't do it. Yeah. Right. And we see a lot of adults that really struggle with decision-making. And I personally kind of think that this is why, that we don't actually help little kids feel how to do decisions well, yeah. because we're so unwilling to give children context in their own lives. Yeah. And I think it also sends the message that I should just do what you want me to yes. do. Yeah. Well, you just tell me what you want and then I'll do it. Yeah. Yes. That's yeah. the context I need. Mom, what do you actually yes. want? Yeah. So that and the I mean, stress goes it, away. I think that impacts us at a very practical level. Because even if that's not the way that we want to carry out decisions, when we fall back into a stressed yeah. place, yes. that's the, the kind of gut level reaction we're going to have is just like, just do just like whatever you want to do, just yeah. do it yeah. because yeah. I will, whatever, like I'll just follow you or I'll just make peace with my own interaction or my own kind of reaction to what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, mm. Nate, I'm thinking of some of my heirs <laughs> and my parenting right now. They're, they're all there. Remember, good enough mother. Oh good enough mother, Jen. No matter what. <laughs> no matter what mother. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Um, but I think in that, I, I love context, choice, and connection, like thinking of it that way and in that sequence because it really, to me, goes on to building this anticipation for what we really want. Mm. And maybe if you're thinking like, I don't actually want to connect with anybody. I think we should talk about that. <laughs> you should go to one of our retreats or come to our center because I think that's, that's just what you've convinced yourself to believe. Right. Which, yeah. And I know that that might, you might be arguing. I, I'm also responding this way because I have some clients that right now are just like, honestly, like I don't want to connect with anybody. Mm -hmm. Connection is not what I ultimately want. Hmm. And because I've listened to your podcast and I disagree with you. Have well, you bust out any of your books yet? Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> 
in well, my brain. But I think, <laughs> I think what brain. we what we can validate and totally affirm is that if every connection you've ever had has left you hurting, then why the heck would you want it? Like yes. that's ridiculous. And unless you're a masochist, it makes sense to not actually want to continue to be hurt. <laughs> yeah, and so because, that is real. Especially when you can then use the words of context and choice to figure out why it hurts so bad. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I had no choice. It was forced on me. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, I had no idea what was going on. Or I had no choice. It was ripped from me. Yeah, right. A connection could just disappear at a moment's notice, and I have no power or say in it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So culminating then in connection, um, the context that we've been able to gather, um, we're, we're going to paint at least initially this picture of, a, of it all going well. So let's say we have all the context that we could... Uh, have relationally together about what's going on. We then can choose how we want it to go or uh, what direction we want to go. Mm -hmm. Um, We can then be connected on the choice of the path that we choose um, that we end up going down. To me, when I use prefaces to start a sentence and ultimately to communicate a desire of mine, part of it is me trying to send a subliminal message that I would really love for us to be connected in this, Mm -hmm. like no matter what. Even if you ultimately don't want uh, to do any of the things that I'm trying to suggest, I would love for us to be able to navigate that together and to know that from a place of um, contextualized um, experience together that we can choose and still be together, even if what you want is different Mm -hmm. than what I want. Mm -hmm. That to me, I want us to settle that relationally as opposed to just saying kind of like on our last episode talking about Jack, like a no. I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's so true. Well, you guys have any other thoughts about context, choice, and connection? Well, I just want to continue emphasizing like how this can come up in, I mean, literally every single scenario ever, right? So as parenting, we're talking about that. We're talking about in therapy. We're talking about in those romantic relationships of being able to give context, um, but this is like work environments, social environments, even for yourself. Mm-hmm. If you feel yourself feeling like I'm walking into a situation, as a social situation, I don't know that I feel okay with this. How do I help support my own system? Yeah. How do I help myself feel a sense of safety going into this? Yeah. Maybe I check in for some context. I look at what are my choices in this. And sometimes it doesn't feel like we have many, but can I orient towards focusing on what choices do I have in this? And that can set up more of a platform for a sense of safety where then we are open, more open to the opportunity of experiencing connection. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think so much of what that final piece of connection does is it allows us to show up as more of our full human rather than just, you know, this object me that is being in this situation without, you know, my true um, opinions or feelings or desires or worries or concerns um, being allowed to be present. So like a really easy example of this, and maybe this can be kind of a, a funny, fun way to end is any parent alive has had the uh, lovely opportunity of taking their child to the dentist for the first time. <laughs> um, if ever there was a moment where context, choice, and connection gets super important, convincing a child to let a strange man, uh, in, in my case, it happened to be a man for my daughter, um, put a hand with a big rubber glove on it into her mouth. <laughs> like, this is a very strange situation. Yeah. When has that ever been yeah, like, like, <laughs> the goal of why would I? <laughs> why would I say yes to this, right? So we like prepped for this for literally weeks ahead of time. 
And I thought about context and choice and connection kind of over and over in that loop. And, you know, so we did the whole thing. I gave her a ton of context and as much choice as we could. And I'm pretty sure that the nurse and the doctor were a little annoyed with me because I was really into the choice thing. So we sat and like played with Mr. Thirsty for quite a while before it went into her mouth, a uh-huh. little suctiony thing that makes uh-huh. a loud noise, right? Yeah. Um, but then eventually in her own time, she's like, all right, I'm ready. You may look at my teeth now. And so we had the appointment and all of that. Um, and at one point she got nervous and because we had talked about it, our plan was that if she started to feel nervous, she would tell me if she wanted me to sit by her or hold her hand. And that was the connection piece because Mm -hmm. with all of the context and choice in the world at the end of the day, she just needs mom to be really present and there. And that felt like just this perfect little arc of the whole process of helping somebody feel safe in a new and challenging situation. And at the end of it, she said, and she's four, she said to me, I want to go back to the dentist tomorrow. Oh, <laughs> I'm like, parenting win. Success. Yes, I did it. I really don't want to go back tomorrow because that was super stressful. Um, but there's just so many little and big ways, especially uh, with little kids where this process that we go through is so important, but it has to end in that place of connection because that is the most important thing for them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. So yeah, there's that. So I feel like, are you guys feel ready to transition to the end? Yeah. yeah. I feel good. Yeah. Okay. So something that is uh, happening is that we're wrapping up this season of the podcast. Because 2021 is almost over. I know. <laughs> what? <laughs> it makes me giggle like that, which is yeah. my nervous laugh. That's <laughs> like, crazy. Oh my God. That's what a year. That happened. Uh, exactly. Um, but so we're going to be transitioning into the next uh, season where we're going to be uh, deepening a lot of the things that we've talked about over the last several months and um, kind of taking you guys into maybe a a little bit more of the neurobiology, really looking a lot at how our life shapes us to be who we are as a human being. Yeah. And we're really excited about a lot of those conversations. Um, but before we get into all of that in the new year, we're going to take just a little bit of a breather to do things like, uh, I don't know, holiday things, like turkey, etc. Be with family. Right. That's not yes. at work. Not at work. Okay. <laughs> well, hey, I'm saying it for me. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I need to know. not be at work for a little bit. <laughs> Um, but we are going to take just a little bit of a break. We'll, uh, take a month off for December and be back with you guys in January. Yes, we will be back. We will be back. I would love to hear from you guys in between now and then with just anything you want more of. Like what Mm -hmm. are the aspects of this podcast that you love most? Yeah. Um, at what points do you feel like the most connected? At what points do you feel the most intrigued and curious? Mm -hmm. What are the topics you're loving to hear about? Um, that feedback is always so helpful and we love to incorporate it in. And as we start kind of preparing for the next season of the podcast, we would love to have some of that information to incorporate. And maybe we should do a Q and A. Yeah. If you guys have specific questions or, um, even just like topic ideas that you're curious about, we could do some, uh, special topics next season as well and sort of investigate how all of this applies to certain areas of life that you yeah. guys are interested in be super cool and we're also launching uh some very special things in that amount of time that's true in the new year will come a lot of some tricks uh, up our sleeve yes (laughs) such as video and Uh all of these uh different ways of actually getting more engaged with the content and so um 
keep your eyes and ears and selves mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, engaged and anticipating of that. Um, there'll be tons of ways to connect with yes. us in the new year. So. Yeah. And as a tiny final plug before we go, if you're needing a little bit of assistance in getting through the holiday um, challenges that are kind of inevitable, we have some resources on our website. There's the Mental Health First Aid Kit, um, which I believe is under the Trainings tab on our website. Uh, or um, Resources. I can't or maybe remember. the Resources tab. But uh, beyondhealingcenter.com, you can look at the Resources tab and look at the Mental Health First Aid Kit. And Bridger and Jen and I um, have some videos and some journal prompts and things like that to kind of guide you through some basic mental health self-care to really support you through uh, a stressful season that is often the holidays. So yes. Take care, guys. Safe journeys, everyone. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond Trauma, a psychotherapy podcast from therapists for clients about the journey of trauma recovery. While resources like this can be helpful, they should never take the place of or be used as therapy. We encourage you to find a trauma-informed therapist in your area to be your guide in this healing journey. Take a minute to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Spotify, and we would appreciate it if you could leave us a review. You can connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon at beyondtraumapodcast.com. Thanks again for tuning in.